Welcome to day 135 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Cindy Kemp. Hello. We continue our journey through 2 Corinthians. Uh, the Paul's letters to the Corinthians are some of the more difficult to follow because he's dealing with specific hardships in the church at Corinth or difficulties. Matter of fact, his existence with the Corinthians has been really tough. He establishes a church. We can uh, read about it in Acts chapter 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, no sooner has he left the church and already there's conflicts arising in the church. So he writes 1 Corinthians in order to deal with some of those conflicts. He personally returns to the church and it does not go well. Matter of fact, the, the conflicts that are not ready to receive you know, Paul's rebuke and the conflicts you know, persist. So he writes another letter that's been lost to us which he calls a tearful letter where he's expressing very strongly his feelings and a call for them to repent. And in the meantime, evidently they have repented and their affections have been stirred for Paul. And so when you take this letter, you can divide it, you know, into three parts for the first seven, you know, chapters. And we'll do six and seven, you know, today he is uh, thanking them for the reconciliation. And you're going to catch the flavor of that. Uh, how they have uh, turned their affections back toward Paul in chapter 7 as we read it in just a few minutes. In chapters 8 and 9, he'll talk about his desire to see them give generously to a church that is hurting, that they've never even met, but the church is in Jerusalem. Many people have come from Jerusalem and have agitated them, uh, but Paul is saying, you know, let's return this with generosity and with love. And then finally, Paul will deal a little bit, you know, strongly in chapters, you know, 10 and 11 uh, with uh, those who are still you know, kind of on the edges and are kind of sniping at his ministry and are kind of belittling what he is doing among the Corinthians, so he takes them on in a strong fashion as we do that. So we turn to Second Corinthians 6 and 7 uh, today where Paul has just been describing in chapter you know, 5 the nature of his ministry, that God is making an appeal through us for you to be reconciled to Christ. And in 6 and 7 he'll talk about the hardships of his ministry. So before we read, as we always do, uh, we realize that we're uh, approaching a very holy moment in which we hear from God uh, the word that he's inspired by his spirit to reveal his heart and character to us. Uh, His Holy Spirit works in and through that to continue to build us up in Christ. So we offer ourselves and we offer the moment to the Lord. So Cindy, do you mind doing that? Mm. Mind leading us in prayer as we dig in? Father, we do thank you for um, this moment. We do um, want to recognize that these are your words to us and that you are a holy God and that um, this is all very serious and important. And Father, we also recognize that it is you who, by your Spirit, teaches us and uh, provides all that we need for life and for godliness. So may our hearts turn to you now as we look at these words and, and read and and hear the heart of the passage, Father, and all that you have in store for us here. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians 6 and 7. <clears throat> As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, 
through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine, yet regarded as impostors, known, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and up and wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. I do not say this to condemn you. I have said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all of our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. When we came to Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. Say that my letter hurts you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repent. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you've proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of the one who did the wrong nor on account of the injured party, but rather that before God you could see for yourself how devoted to us you are. By all this, we are encouraged. In addition to your own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was, because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. I had boasted to him about you, and you have not embarrassed me. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved to be true as well. And this affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I am glad I can have complete confidence in you. What a what a rich, heartbreaking letter in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to see the you know reconciliation, but it's also uh, disheartening to see uh, you know how how difficult you know this this time has been, and it's always good to see hardship lead to. Uh, you know, a good end. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, God has used the sorrow that you've had to bring you to repentance, and that's exactly what God intended. So what are some of the things that you guys see, you know, in these chapters, uh, these two chapters as we read through Second Corinthians? 
Well, I realize we're going to talk a little more about the letter he wrote that led them to repentance. But I did love in 610, um, oh, I'm sorry, 611, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. And I do appreciate that, you know, and, and even in the sentences prior to all this, all that cry, I mean, all that Paul endured, um, but he had opened his hearts to them. Every he gave, he poured out his hearts to these people. But yet, I really felt like that laid a foundation for him to to speak, you know, some strong words yeah, no into doubt. their lives. And of course, you know, part of pouring out his heart has been how vulnerable he mm-hmm. has been, yeah. you know, with the other believers. And you know, I have to remember the backdrop, you know, are just you know, kind of just beneath the surface or other. Uh, you know, other teachers, which Paul, you know, kind of blithely calls super apostles, mm-hmm. you know, people who are living well, who you know, are speaking well, but who have not, you know, given themselves fully to the church the way that he has, or not willing to suffer for the church uh, mm-hmm. the way that he has. Mm-hmm. And, and so in his weaknesses, they've seen his weaknesses and his strength, and it has made him, you know, vulnerable. And he's, of course, he's saying this is, you know, part of the gospel, that you've, you've seen all of that. Yeah. And, of course, they're even, you know, doubting, you know, the authenticity of his ministry because of all the hardship he's experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're really walking in God's will, why are things so tough for you? Mm-hmm. And here are these people over here, and they have it so easy. They must mm-hmm. be. And, and, of course, that's absolutely uh, the wrong way to read it. You know, sometimes the more faithfully we're walking with God, the deeper the opposition will be. And, of course, he describes his, you know, the way, first of all, the way that he commends mm-hmm. himself to him. We put no stumbling block in anyone's yeah. path <laughs> so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Mm-hmm. In endurance, troubles, hardships, distresses, beatings and prisons, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, purity, understanding, patience, kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in truthful speech, in the power of God, weapons of righteousness <laughs> in the right hand and the left hand, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, you know, genuine, yet people think of us imposters, we're known, and yet you treat us as if you did know us, uh, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, making many rich. How mm-hmm. crazy is that? How deeply vested in these people, you know, have Paul yeah. and his companions been? And uh, not only has he suffered from outsiders, he suffered from them. You know, they're they're the ones who you know uh, are treating him as if he was not genuine, or if he was an mm. imposter, or uh, you know if they didn't know him, you know deeply. So he's been alienated, you know, by the very people he loves. And we see some of this even at the start, you know, of Paul's ministry in, in Acts nine when. He's miraculously saved, and we see when Christ is speaking of him that I will show him how much you know he must, he suffer, must suffer from yeah. my name. And obviously, Paul has. And and the Holy he, Spirit is such a you know, terrible recruiter. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Just tells you like it is. <laughs> I would you speak for me before kings, and I will show you you will suffer many things for my name's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Paul gladly embraced both the suffering. Matter of fact, he would say to the Philippians, I want to know him mm-hmm. and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. And, and of course, it, we'll see a little bit more of that when we get to chapter 11. And it's absolutely you know, astounding, you know, the amount of suffering that he's endured for the sake of the church. And I'm very grateful for Paul to have that transparency to be able to describe the, the suffering he's yeah. gone through for the sake of mm-hmm of this local body and in many other local bodies because you know, as another minister who mm-hmm. goes through many of the trials Absolutely. and difficulties of, mm-hmm. of pastoral ministry to even, I especially resonated with what he said in, in chapter seven in, in verse 
five and six, but you know, we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us how? Through the other local church, through mm-hmm. through Titus, through through another brother. And, and of course that's been the theme of these first, you know, seven chapters. You know, we started in chapter one. Uh, because of the comfort we've received from Christ Jesus, we are able to comfort one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you see how uh, you see how the comfort of Christ has overflowed to both Paul in order to endure patiently with the Corinthians and for the Corinthians to repent and turn back to Paul. And now they are, you know, the mm-hmm. source of you know, the source of discouragement is now you know turned into the source of encouragement. And obviously, at the you know the start of chapter seven, when when Paul's kind of talking about holiness, which you know is sometimes a, a term that we can get kind of afraid of, or it seems like well, that's what really serious Christians do is they kind of pursue holiness. You know, I I, I may not have time for that, or I'm not. But he, I love how he just right at the end of, of verse one, um, you know, he's talking about this, you know, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Yeah, and so again, just seeing yeah. like the pursuit of holiness isn't something we do in our own strength because we want to be good Christians, but it's actually a motivation from from God, mm-hmm. from from the gospel that pushes us t- towards that pursuit. And so I love how he, he gets that you know in, in the right order for us to see yeah. and, and he, he's building of. on those Old Testament promises. I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from the peoples and be separated and touch no unclean thing, and I'll receive you. And then the promise, and I'll be a father to you, and you'll be sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these, you know, precious, you know, these promises, dear friend, let us purify ourselves from anything that contaminates, you know, both body and spirit, you know, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. What I think that is the call of, you know, Christianity. We have these, or, or the call of following Jesus. We have these promises, therefore. Let's throw away the things that are defiling us, and let's receive the promises and receive Christ, and be perfected in Him uh, out of our love for God. Yeah, nice, nice verse. And how even some of that's going to come through godly sorrow. Yeah, you know, as He speaks to earlier, mm-hmm. and He says, in fact, in, in verse nine of chapter seven, I am happy, not because you're made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. You mm-hmm. became sorrowful as God. Intended. Yeah. Well, this sorrowful letter was a big risk. Mm-hmm. It's either going to affect their repentance, or it's further, you know, further going to alienate them. Mm-hmm. But because Paul knew that so much was at stake, he was willing to take the risk, mm-hmm. and the risk actually paid off. Mm-hmm. The letter hit home hard, and uh, they they did repent. And uh, you know, uh, and I love that next line. You know, right where you stop for you became sorrowful, is is God intended? So we're not harmed in any way by us. And then verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Mm -hmm. So there's two ways we can be sorry. We can just have regrets, or we can have regrets that lead us to God to receive his mercy Mm -hmm. and forgiveness and to be restored, not only to God, but Mm -hmm. to each other. So what a great, and what a great a great verse. Godly sorrow brings repentance and it leads to, and by salvation, he's not talking about our initial salvation, okay. but the continuing work of God in us. As he is, mm-hmm. you know, going back to what we just read, perfecting us, mm-hmm. you know, in holiness. You know, for a fun passage, even though it's a, it's a difficult passage, it's fun to see conflict leading to, you know, what God intended yeah. and all of that. Mm-hmm. 
David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and, and even just the small reminder that in the, in the midst of conflict, we see that you can absolutely work through that and that you can bring um, a result that encourages all the people. And so we do thank you for this reminder. We thank you so much for Paul, his dedication to the church. And we ask that we too would follow in that same way and often in step with the spirit through the power of God that we can serve faithfully his church and that the people would be encouraged and that we would see holiness and godliness increase. And so we pray that you would do this work for your glory and for our joy. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.